Phoenix, the Athens Educator here to break down a big week four of college football. And we're also going to recap the month of September on this episode here. We're going to do two segments today. We have a lot of week four Devi standouts. Going to kind of tie together weeks three and four since we weren't able to get an episode out last week. And then it's officially fall. So I'm going to talk about some September Devi fallers on this episode. It is going to be Devi focused in full transparency. I'm recording during the week three NFL game. So I don't want to give mid-game or mid-slate analysis. So with that being said here, let's go into segment one here, our week four Devi standouts. We have 12 week four Devi standouts. It was a big week of college football and it was filled with a lot of big performances. We're going to start with the noon game. We're going to go next to the game that finished after midnight, and we're going to cover a lot in between. But let's start here with Clemson wide receiver Tyler Brown. Tyler Brown is a true freshman coming in at 5'11", 180. This week against Florida State, five receptions for 84 yards. That's 16.8 yards per reception. Over the last two weeks, true freshman Tyler Brown, eight receptions for 129 yards and two touchdowns. The whole knock on this Clemson offense is that no wide receiver has stepped up to to stake that claim as wide receiver one in the offense. And it looks like Tyler Brown, to the shock of many, is going to be the guy who does it. So Tyler Brown, he's going to play in the slot here. He's a little undersized, but he could still grow into that frame, build it out. It looks like he actually permanently kick Antonio Williams either to the outside or to a rotational role. Either way, Kate Klubnick clearly has the chemistry with Tyler Brown, and Klubnick has started to put it together here in this new Garrett Riley offense over the last couple weeks. And I have to imagine Tyler Brown breaking out at the time where things are, are clicking with Cade Klubnick. That has to go hand-in-hand hand together. Marshawn Lloyd, the 2024 running back, who was originally at the University of South Carolina and now is at the University of Southern California, is finally starting to get to the point where we're seeing those flashes, the, that upside that we expected to see when he was a highly touted recruit. He went 14 for 154, 154 yards on 14 carries. If you're doing some quick mental math, yes, that's 11 yards per carry. And that was against the Arizona State Sun Devils. And if you haven't been, or if I should say, if you didn't stay up to watch the game, you might be saying to yourself, well, that makes sense. USC probably just absolutely demolished Arizona State. And quite frankly, folks, uh, the Sun Devils, man, they came to play. They really did put up a big fight. They challenged Caleb Williams well into the fourth quarter here. Uh, but Marshawn Lloyd, he looked explosive. He looked like he had that second gear to his game, displayed good vision. So I like what I'm seeing from Marshawn Lloyd. And I think he's going to sneak under the radar, but he has top 100 draft potential. The game, the game of the week was undoubtedly Ohio State Notre Dame. And there's definitely a few standouts that we can talk about going around the game. But let's put the box score aside. Amike Egbuka, for me, had the biggest Devi performance of the day. And it was really important because if you look at the way the Ohio State offense was able to, to just scrap it together, just get through, because it was a tough Notre Dame defense, Kyle McCord was relying, relying on Amika Egbuka. And Egbuka ended up pulling in seven receptions for 96 yards. He was releasing well off the line of scrimmage. He was consistently creating separation. He was a reliable target great hands uh, throughout the game there 
And it was really, really key because Notre Dame was invested in shutting down Marvin Harrison Jr. as they should have been. And Amike Buka took advantage of that weakness, was able to work underneath, and was able to make some big plays and put it together there for the Buckeyes. So Ibuka going into the season was kind of the default wide receiver two for many. And Ibuka's definitely slid down. You know, I have Malik Neighbors and Keon Coleman jumping him since that point. But I think Ibuka put together a really good reminder on the national spotlight with a lot of NFL scouts and a lot of fantasy football managers watching as a reminder that he should still be a first-round NFL draft pick which really kind of speaks highly to the class overall, which we're going to go ahead and build on here by talking about Washington wide receiver Roma Dunze. Now, this is really important here, folks, to point out. Roma Dunze is one of those guys going into the season that I was a little bit lower than consensus on here, but he has certainly flashed consistently and produced at a high level. It'll be really interesting to see once we get further down the road here where his projected draft capital may land, but at least for now, he's impressing at a really high level. So against Cal here on, in week four, Roma Dunze pulled in five receptions for 125 yards. He's really shown that big playmaking threat, which is something that I wanted to see from him more this season. He went 27 over the first four games of the season. He's gone 27 receptions for 544 yards. That's averaging over 20 yards per reception. And in all four games, Roma Dunze has had 100 plus yards. There's a particular pass that I'm thinking of from this past week where Michael Penix Jr. threw it behind Adunze. He had to use his ball tracking ability, react at the last minute, flash some really good hands. I'm definitely seeing improvement from the hesitations I had on preseason tape with Roman Dunze. The question will be, does that hold up consistently over the course of the season? But at least early on through the first month of the season, Roma Dunze is absolutely a riser for me. Next up here is Troy Franklin. I really buried it, folks. I tried to get far into this episode without talking about Troy Franklin, but you know I've been hyping him up consistently here on this podcast in my written work, of course, in the Rookie Big Board rankings. A Rookie Big Board patrons can uh, I've certainly have already seen his scouting report, and I know a lot of folks have told me in the Discord or in the DMs already that they've been stocking up on Troy Franklin because of the hype, and he showed up against Colorado, eight receptions for 126 receiving yards, 15.8 yards per reception, two big touchdowns. Quite frankly, folks, he could have easily had a third touchdown. It is clear that Troy Franklin is the alpha in this offense. He wins over the middle of the field. He wins along the boundary. He has great hands. He has great athleticism. He has speed. And that frame is built up. He's now listed at 6'3", 183. So even if that's being a little kind to his, uh, you know, 183, even if he ends up in the high 170s, there's enough there, folks. There's enough there. We're all in on Troy Franklin. And we're taking Troy Franklin all the way to the first round of the 2024 NFL Draft. Next up here, I have a trio of LSU Tigers that I want to discuss and it's kind of making up for the fact that we didn't have a week three episode because I think these three guys have put together a nice set of games here but I'm going to start with Jaden Daniels and now I'm going to tell you after the FSU game the first game of the season you know it was I wasn't sure about Jaden Daniels because I wanted to see that improvement in his passing I wanted to see that uh, improvement in his arm talent in that accuracy and it was there against Florida State, but not consistently. But since that game, it has been there. 
Jaden Daniels, 20 for 29, 320 passing yards, four touchdowns, one interception uh, this past week against Mississippi State. If you watch some of his touchdown passes, you know, I had the LSU game up on the iPad, not the multi-view because I had the four games on the multi-view, but over on the iPad, I had the LSU game so I could focus on it a little bit. And, and Jaden Daniels, he looks comfortable in the pocket. Last season, he was running the ball first a lot. He stood in the pocket under pressure, stepped up through the pocket. The velocity is there. He's leading his wide receivers downfield, especially very nicely. I think there's a lot to like about Jaden Daniels. Over the course of his first four games of the season, he's completed 72% of his 124 passing attempts, and he has a 12 to 2 touchdown to interception ratio. Jaden Daniels is going to now get into the thick of it here with a harder SEC schedule, but he has already played Florida State in two SEC defenses in Arkansas and Mississippi State. So I definitely think that there's a lot to like here about the LSU passer, and he's throwing the ball to two guys that have really impressed me. Now, Malik Neighbors was my wide receiver two heading into the season, and he's holding that position in uh, the Debbie rankings. And I should mention that if you want to get in on the Devi rankings, the rookie rankings, the dynasty rankings, which I'm updating uh, pretty much weekly throughout the season, head on over to patreon.com slash rookie big board and get ahead of your league mates. Folks, I can't emphasize enough when it comes to understanding the 2024 rookie class, the best way to get an advantage over your league mates is to start now. All right. Let's talk about uh, Malik neighbors here. I mentioned he was my wide receiver two going into the season. Uh, he's holding up there. Eight receptions for 130 yards and two touchdowns this past week against Arkansas. Over the last two weeks, he had 21. Yes, that's right. I literally just double-checked my stat as I said that. He did have 21 receptions over the last two weeks for 369 yards and four touchdowns against two solid, not the best, but solid SEC secondaries. Flying under the radar here is Brian Thomas Jr. Now, Brian Thomas Jr., 6'4", 205, is also 2024 eligible. And this past week against Arkansas, he had five receptions for 133 yards, 26.2 yards per reception. And over the course of the first month of the season, he has 25 receptions for 413 yards and five touchdowns in the Tigers' four games. So both Malik Neighbors and Brian Thomas Jr. are impressing me. At this point in time, Neighbors has a shot of being first round. I think Jaden Daniels, what he's looking to play himself into is being a late day two selection. And Brian Thomas Jr., probably more of a day three selection at this point in time, but certainly somebody who needs to be on your radar. Someone else who needs to be on your radar is Washington State quarterback Cam Ward. Cam Ward had a lot of hype. He was the FCS uh, player of the year two years ago. He transfers up to Washington last season, and he had a solid season, but he didn't quite live up to the hype that he had built up. Folks, this year, under the radar, he has absolutely lived up to his hype. All right, so this past week against Oregon State, which is a good defense in the Pac-12, I would say it's one of the top three or four defenses in the Pac-12. Cam Ward went 28 for 34, completing 82% of his passes for four touchdowns and zero interceptions. He did most of that work in the first half, and then they put on the run game in the second half. Over the course of the first month of the college football season, Cam Ward has completed 74% of his 142 passing attempts for 1,390 yards, 13 touchdowns to zero interceptions. Cam Ward looks like a comfortable passer. 
He's leading his guys downfield with, with good anticipation, good accuracy. He's showing off the arm talent that got us really excited about him. And he's displayed good mobility as well. He's kind of that forgotten guy in the 2024 quarterback conversation. But I think as the season goes on, Cam Ward is going to be that sneaky guy who could absolutely elevate himself to be in that first round conversation. That's projecting forward a little bit, but it's there. He's got the intangibles. He has the tools, and he, it's at least so far he's got the production. So there's a lot to like here about Cam Ward. And another guy who you may not be super familiar with, but there's certainly a lot to like about is Rasheen Ali, the running back at a Marshall. 60209, Rasheen Ali is 2024 eligible. He's been a super productive guy in college. This past weekend against Virginia Tech, so he plays for Marshall, right? So group of five competition, a very good Marshall team, by the way, this year. So he plays for the group of five, so they're playing up you know, to a Power 5 team, Virginia Tech, might be the bottom of the Power 5, but still a Power 5 team. Yoshina Lee goes 27 rushes for 174 yards and two touchdowns. In the three games he's played this season, 63 carries for 396 yards and seven touchdowns, averaging more than two touchdowns per game. Uh, and well over 100 yards rushing per game. So Rasheen Ali, you know, he's going to be that group of five guy, doesn't go super high. Maybe we're talking about rounds five or six, but he should get drafted and he should be a relevant player. You know, that, that type of guy that could be a rotational back that finds fantasy football value. It happens every single year. And Rasheen Ali already put him, you know, on your third, fourth round sleeper target list. Wide receiver Xavier Leggett out of the University of South Carolina has been the USC wide receiver that's impressed us early this year. Uh, Leggett is 2024 eligible. He has good size coming in uh, 6'2". Uh, Leggett and 227 pounds. Uh, Leggett really combined speed well for that size. He had five receptions for 189 yards and two touchdowns. One of those was a big 76-yard touchdown play where, quite frankly, he really just ran a drag underneath. Uh, got the ball and turned up field and just burned the defense. Just just absolutely burned the Mississippi State defense. Over the course of the first month of the season, Leggett has gotten 27 receptions for 556 yards, averaging over 20 yards per reception, and he's brought in three touchdowns. Last but absolutely not least here is Missouri wide receiver Luther Burden. So Burden is 2025 eligible. This past week against Memphis, he had 10 receptions for 177 yards. Over the course of his first four games, he has 32 receptions for 504 yards and three touchdowns. In every game Luther Burden has played in this season, he has at least seven receptions. And in every single game, he's made a big play. He had a 30-yard play in his first week, 44-yard play in his second week, 47 yard play in week three and then this past week 56 yard reception luther burden for me is now the wide receiver one in the 2025 class he was solid as a true freshman playing along the boundary they bumped him inside he's shredding he is shredding in the slot i don't think folks are really getting their eyes on him yet because missouri's gonna not really get into those prime time games until further into the season because although they're an sec team they're not one that pulls the national broadcast attention. Uh, once they start getting into some of those primetime games, folks are really going to start to catch on on Luther Burden. So just the way about three, four, five weeks ago, I told you to get in on Troy Franklin before he started hitting national primetime games. That's what you should be doing for Luther Burden. Luther Burden is in the class of 2025, and he's currently my Debbie wide receiver one in the class of 2025. 
So there you have it, the 12 standout players from week four of the college football season. Let's go ahead here. Let's flip the script. We got to talk about some Debbie Fallers. All right, don't call it being negative. We just have to be realistic about it, especially early on in the season. We have to be willing to pivot on preseason takes and make some pretty quick adjustments to the game. Now, the first faller here from September, I'm going to go through five guys. Uh, so I'm not too negative here, but got to be realistic. Going to start here with Quinshawn Judkins out of Ole Miss. What's going on? What is going on with Quinshawn Judkins? It seems like it may be injury related, but he just has not performed early on in the season. He has 201 yards on 57 carries. That's 3.5 yards per carry. He has found the, the end zone four times, but he's just not carrying the ball. Like he, it's just, it's a low workload. He doesn't look explosive. There's been, you know, rumors each week that he was going to show up on the injury report, but he keeps playing. So he can't be that hurt. And for me, you know, Judkins, he was supposed to be making an argument with Nick Singleton to be the running back one in the 2025 class. He does not look like that. He doesn't look like a top 50 running back right now. So Judkins, I think, has taken a sharp fall. This is a guy people were taking in the first rounds of, of, of Debbie drafts. And for good reasons. He looked amazing as a true freshman. He was hyperproductive. The projection on Quinchon Judkins was like 1,500 rushing yards this season. I'm not exaggerating. That's not being hyperbolic, right? That was that was the, the actual projection for Quinchon Judkins. And through the first four games of the season, he has 200 yards. Not a mathematician, but those numbers do not add up. So Judkins has really got to flip the script, or he's going to see a major tank uh, in his value going into next season. Now, if you have Quinchon Judkins on your Devi team, this is not the time to sell. You got to hold. You got to hold. You made a big investment in it. There's no way you get that investment back uh, unless his, he, he rebounds in performance. So you got to hold on to Judkins. Um, maybe this is an opportunity to go ahead and, you know, put an offer out there, see if you can get him on the low. But it's certainly been a really, really disappointing start to the season uh, for the running back at Ole Miss. Let's stick here with the running back position. We're going to talk about Trey Benson. Now, he's not a faller for me because Trey Benson, I didn't understand it in the preseason. I was watching his tape. I saw a running back that looked indecisive. I, I saw a running back that, that didn't really have that, that big game factor. Um, but a lot of people got excited about his lower body strength, and he does display good contact balance at times. So I was heading into the season you know, keeping an open mind uh, on the idea that last year he was a rotational back and Florida State had kind of said, you know, we're going to roll out Trey Benson as a, a volume back, a workhorse back. We're going to lean into that power strength profile, uh, which, I, you know, I was like, let's get behind that. Yeah, yeah, let's let's give that a shot here. But over the first month of the season, he has 40 attempts for 189 yards. That's uh, 4.7 yards per carry. He does have four touchdowns, but he has, he doesn't have more than 13 touches in any game. And he doesn't look explosive. There's no big plays, uh, you know, being put on his tape. Um, I'm still seeing, uh, vision, you know, vision issues. And so, for me, Trey Benson overall has been pretty disappointing. And I had low expectations for him. So if I was somebody who was, you know, really hitching my wagon on Trey Benson heading into the season, I certainly would not be excited about this. Um, Benson is somebody you may be able to just flip at this point in time. You know, if you could just get a second round Debbie pick next year, uh, you know, just cut your losses on that. That's I'd be willing to make that pivot on Trey Benson because I think that his truthers are going to stick with him at least for another month or so. And so if you could flip into a truther that thinks they're buying low, 
that's the move that I'd be trying to make if I had Trey Benson on any of my rosters. Now, a guy I do have on a lot of my rosters, and you know, as much as I'll talk about Trey Benson, who I was low on, and it's looking like that's being confirmed, I'm also going to talk about the guy that I was high on, and that was Donovan Edwards. You know, I talked on this podcast preseason that I thought Donovan Edwards could have been the running back one in this 2024 class. And if I go back and watch his tape again in the preseason, I'm going to hold that same take. But from what I've seen over the first month of this season for Michigan, uh, Donovan Edwards is a non-factor in this offense. I don't know what is going on here, but there's no way that he's going to even be in the conversation to be a tier one running back in the 2024 class if he continues with this low level of production and the fact that we just haven't seen any of the flashes. I, Other than maybe one or two plays, one of them was this past weekend, we're not seeing the athleticism. We're not seeing him, you know, beat guys in space. We're not seeing that explosiveness. And, and quite frankly, I'm not even getting to see the hands all that much. He's, he's looked solid in the passing game. Um, but not to the level that I want to see it. But overall, you know, he's 6 for 13 uh, this past weekend. He had 6 carries for 13 yards. He had 2 receptions for 41 uh, yards. It was one big reception. So over the course of the beginning of the season, he has 33 carries for 109 yards. He has 11 receptions for 100 yards. So the receptions are holding up. And I, like I said, I do think his hands are there. Um, but he's just not that that big game factor that I expected. You know, I, I knew Blake Corum would be the guy to get more of the volume and to be the smasher. But Donovan Edwards in this change of pace role, it's just not there. So I don't know if it's the rotation of coaches that Michigan's gone through over the first couple weeks of the season. I don't know if there's a hidden injury here with Donovan Edwards. I don't know if um, Harbaugh is intentionally playing vanilla offense, you know, to until he gets to the Big Ten schedule. But he's making me nervous with Donovan Edwards. I think Edwards could rebound because, again, he has the, the the raw traits that I've seen on film. But at this point in time, man, I mean, it's 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 not where I want it to be with Donovan Edwards. And he's at the bottom of the Tier 1 running backs if he's in the Tier 1 at all. I talked earlier about the Clemson wide receiver room, how Tyler Brown has been stepping up. One of the guys that I had definitely been pushing as a low ad, like a cheap guy, it was Bo Collins this offseason. If you take out the Charleston Southern game, Bo Collins has 10 receptions for 89 yards over the first, you know, let's call that three games in if we're taking the Charleston Southern game out. That's pretty disappointing here. I thought he really could have stepped into his role as a boundary X wide receiver. I thought he had a shot of being in that 75 to 100 draft capital. But at this point in time, Bo Collins, it seems like his Debbie stock is just absolute basement. You know, and like I said, I'm going to talk about when guys who I was low on are validating that. But I'm also going to talk about when, when guys I was high on, you know, or, or I thought were good values aren't working out uh, because I want you to be able to pivot from, from the takes. Uh, and so Bo Collins absolutely fits in the, that conversation as well. Then the last guy I'm going to talk about, and this might be a little bit of controversial one, so I had to finish the episode with it. And I want you to take the term faller with a little bit of relativity uh, when I make this statement. You can see I'm doing a lot of prefacing with this take, right? I don't know if we're getting what we need to get out of Drake May, the quarterback out of North Carolina. Now, if you look at the stats, they're fine. He's completed 72% of his 132 attempts. 1,187 passing yards, but here's the one that concerns me. Five touchdowns to five interceptions over four games. Drake May, five touchdowns over four games. If it was five touchdowns and zero interceptions, I'd be concerned, but it's five touchdowns, five interceptions. I talked in the preseason. I had questions about his mechanics. I don't know that we're seeing the level of improvement that we need to see there, 
And the thing with Drake May is that, you know, his big thing, of course, on top of having that that great NFL quarterback size, his big thing was that he had good mental processing. He had good decision-making. He had command over the offense, and he just hasn't gotten into that rhythm, that flow yet. And I talked about that as well in the preseason scouting report on Drake May. I talked about the fact that you could see he gets into hot and cold streaks, but the thing about May is that his cold streaks had always kind of been isolated to portions of a game. But it doesn't seem like he's really hit one of those hot streaks yet this season. And we're a month into the season, so I don't know if it's the offensive scheme change, the the OC change. I don't know if he feels less comfortable. I I don't know what it is with Drake May. And I'm not saying that he's not the quarterback two in the class. Because quite frankly, although Quinn Ewers and although J.J. McCarthy and although Shador Sanders have had good first months of the college football season, I don't know that any of them are to the point yet where an NFL GM would consider them to be a challenge to Drake May's NFL draft capital. Because I think NFL front offices are still really going to like Drake May's size, they're really going to like his arm talent, and they're really going to like his mobility. And I don't know if they care as much about, you know, the five touchdowns, the five interceptions as I do. But for me, you know, it's just, it's the yellow flags. It's just yellow flags adding up. And where I consider him to be a faller, Again, it's not that he's not my QB2, because he is currently still my QB2, but if I was doing my 2024 rookie draft right now, today, as I'm recording this episode, I'm taking Marvin Harrison Jr. above Drake May in a Superflex League, there's a good chance I'm taking Brock Bowers. There's a really good chance I'm taking Brock Bowers at 103 ahead of Drake May. I think Drake May goes 104 for me right now if I'm doing of totally honest with you rookie draft right now. And to me, that's a pretty big faller because being the locked in quarterback two in a super flex draft class, you should be the 102. That should be a really consensus opinion on you. And so if you're falling to 104, that's uh, that's worth noting. And, and that's exactly what we're doing here throughout the course of the season. We're noting trends in value. Some of these guys that I've talked about, as followers, their value will rebound. Some of them won't. Some of the guys that I talked about as standouts, their value will drop. Some of them will keep rising. The point of this podcast in the Rookie Big Board, uh, in the, the rankings, the Discord, everything that I'm doing here, it's to give you an idea of how trends and values change. Sometimes they change really slowly. Sometimes they change really quickly. But hopefully... What we're doing from all this analysis is we're helping you be one step ahead of your league mates. And so as I'm looking at Drake May here, and if I'm one step ahead of my league mates who maybe aren't following the college football season as closely, and I have Drake May on my Devi roster, and I could flip him uh, for maybe a couple standout guys in the 2025 class, or some you know rookies that have popped early here on the dynasty side of things, I might be looking to do that. And again, I'm just going to clarify one more time. I'm not talking about selling Drake May cheap. All right, you're still getting a big package for him. You're still cashing in on the fact that he's probably going to be a top five, top 10 NFL draft pick. I'm just saying if I was looking to get ahead, I probably would be pivoting from Drake May now, but he's still a good prospect. He's still going to have high NFL draft capital. He's still going to get a lot of buzz when it comes to rookie draft season next year. So by all means, don't panic on Drake May. But if I'm looking at it objectively over the first month of the college football season, he's a faller.
All right, there you have it, folks. 12 standouts from week four of the college football season. Five fallers from the first month of the college football season. We'll be back at it next week. We'll get more rookie, more dynasty analysis. The rookie big board did just do a dynasty uh, and Debbie rankings update, so we got to dig into that a little bit more. And if I had to look into the crystal ball, I think a mock draft might be coming up in the future as well. So make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you give a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. And as always, I appreciate you checking out this episode of of the Rookie Big Board.